theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaclia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Hello, Dr. Joy. Hello, Dr. Amy. How are you today? I, as always, am excited about our conversations. You know, every time when we start talking, we say, oh, this will be an interesting conversation. And they always are. They all are. And today is going to be very interesting. We're talking about teachers. We're talking about quality of teachers, need for excellent teachers. And we're talking about this dilemma that we are in that we've been talking about for a long time, Amy, this teacher shortage. And it's so interesting too, that whenever I'm on different websites or maybe Facebook groups and see the the pressure, the shortage of the teachers, but yet there's also that shortage of quality teachers. And so we have to work really hard to make sure that people are have quality preparation. Right. And, and we're going to talk about what happens when they're not properly qualified. And we personally, we have a hand in that, right? You as a preparer of teacher, us being in higher ed, the schools, they have a part, a role in this. And organizations like Advanced Illinois, they also have a role in creating quality teachers. Well, our guest today will tell us more about Advanced Illinois and his role. We're going to talk to Jim O'Connor. He is a goal-driven leader focused on ensuring that all young people have access to an excellent education and early career support that enable them to fulfill their potential. He is currently leading initiatives at Advanced Illinois as project director, ensuring that teachers and principals are learner-ready from day one in the classroom. His expertise is pioneering in ambiguous environments. I'm going to delve into that one some more. Uh, Building vibrant networks, translating strategies into action, and managing teams. He is a former high school math and science teacher, a founding principal of a middle school, a twice-elected political leader, a member of Teach for All's Education Policy Community of Practice, a member of Leadership for Educational Equity's Inaugural Policy Leadership Academy, and a recipient of the Community Renewal Society's Under 35 Award. 
And we are going to talk about his specialties in leadership and management and collaboration, but more importantly, the K-12 and higher education piece of that. So welcome to our podcast. Hi, Amy. Hi, Joy. Great to be here. Hi. Welcome, Jim, and congratulations on being under 35. <laughs> that was a while ago. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to bring up, you know, before we delve into this, how we met. And this is kind of the genesis of the beginning of Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy. Amy and I, we love to think outside the box. We are both always willing to improve we're willing to make changes so we're always out there and so with that we got this call from you jim do you remember that and you said do you want to join us for this bill and melinda gates foundation we're talking about education and change and all these different initiatives and on and on and on and would you like to go to washington and we said yes (laughs) in good fashion amy and i said yes and brought along some community partners with us. I think that was our first meeting, Jim. Yeah, I absolutely remember. I was tasked with putting together a team from Illinois and uh, just making some recommendations to the the Gates Foundation and looking for an institution of higher ed in the state that had really strong connections to a local district. And you had that in work. And you were able to bring those folks. And it was super exciting. Uh, I think we brought one other institution. institution. I think Southern Illinois was there as well, Uh including the uh state agency staff. And yeah, that was, that was really a, a really just fascinating conference. I do remember. So that was really remarkable. So you can credit yourself as uh-huh. being part of <laughs> this teaching and learning podcast that we've been doing for two years now, Jim. So, but today we're going to talk about you. We want to learn more about, get our listeners acclimated, tell us more about Advanced Illinois. Yeah, so I've been in Advanced Illinois for about 12 years. Um, our organization, Advanced Illinois, is a non-for-profit, and we do policy and advocacy work. And our goal is to, to build a public healthy education system that prepares students to achieve in success in college, career, and civic life. We were founded 14 years ago and committed to an aligned education system that does three things, really strives for equity, stresses college and career readiness and completion, and supports the whole child in the earliest years all the way through adulthood. And then just to give you a sense of sort of like our our policy agenda, there's really five areas uh, where we call for systemic reforms that first create rigorous learning environments, second hire, develop, and retain great teachers and leaders. And I know we're going to talk about that today. Uh Uh, We also work on providing schools with the resources they need. So we care a lot about funding at all levels from higher ed all the way to early childhood. Fourth, engaging families and providing necessary student supports. And then finally, um, just kind of building a, a system of continuous improvement around this whole, everything I mentioned so that we all can work to improve it. Right. And and then we have something else in higher ed that we hold Advanced Illinois to. You know, we when we talk about Advanced Illinois, we say that Advanced Illinois thinks that higher ed moves to the speed of an iceberg. So their job <laughs> is to help catapult us and to move things forward. Because if we're not moving fast enough, we certainly have to catch up with Advanced Illinois. So we appreciate you for spearheading so many wonderful initiatives. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that everything moves pretty slowly and there's probably a good reason for that and that there's, yeah. there's a lot of good things in place and we wanna be careful before we disrupt things. 
And at the same time, I do think that we we try to find best practices in other states. And when we can see a place in Illinois that can be improved, you know, we try to try to move on that. You're talking about a lot of the policies and the advocacy work that you do. And we know that right now teacher shortage is on the forefront of people's minds. But what also should be on the forefront of their minds right now? What what is it that is not widely public and should be? Yeah. So I think when I think about like going to a family reunion or something, the things that I end up telling people about what I do and the things that I think we should be working on. There's three things that I think stand out in terms of educator educator work. And um, and so it really comes down to equity, quality, and diversity. So in terms of equity, we really care about the equity impacts of all of this work, in particular, as it relates to teacher distribution in Illinois, Black students are five times as more, more likely and Latinx students are two times more likely to be in a classroom without a certified teacher than white students. So we know there's big equity issues in terms of teacher distribution. And then when we look at income levels, um, schools with more than 50% of students from low-income households are five times more likely to be in a classroom without a certified teacher than other schools. So like that is not right. We need to yeah. make sure that we address that. I, I agree with that, you know, and many people don't know that because their kids have a teacher in front of them. You go right. to the schools and you see bodies there and you don't really know the credentials of the person that's in front of your child. So talk about why the quality of teachers matter and maybe who's impacted the most. Yeah, so so that's like one of the things we've cared about since our organization was created was really just making sure that we've got strong teachers and principals in every classroom and every school. And, and the reason why is because I think we all know just intuitively that like think back on your own life, who were those people that were like most impactful to mm-hmm. you? And a lot of cases, it was those teachers. And the research supports that. The research says that the most important school-based factor influencing student achievement is teacher quality. So we know that's really critical. And then in terms of you know the students who are kind of really most impacted by teachers who are not certified or maybe substitute teachers or you know new teachers in those classrooms that, that maybe have the most least experience leading them they're generally black latinx mm-hmm. and low income so for example like just to go a little bit further black students you know we just we just know that they're in in schools that they're just not getting enough experienced teachers they're not getting enough students of color or teachers of color leading their classrooms so we just we've got to do more for them and for latinx students as well what about the energy around mitigating the teacher shortage? First, the teacher shortage, but also the even higher teacher shortage of, of people of color. What are some opportunities that have presented themselves? And yeah. maybe we should be thinking about capitalizing on those opportunities. So what might those be? Yeah, so first, before I get into sort of what, what's exciting, let me just tell you this, a little bit about the research. We know that you know, teachers of color improve the success of all students from all racial and ethnic groups, um, but particularly students of color. Research shows that having a teacher of color has a particular benefit, large benefit of Black and Latinx students' attendance, academic outcomes, and even disciplinary incidents and graduation rates. So, so we know that's what the research says. We also know we got a lot of room to grow in Illinois. So 53% of our K-12 students are of color, but only 18% of our teachers are of color. I'm a little mm-hmm. bit better for assistant principals at 30%, 21% of our principals and only 9% of our superintendents. So the question is like, so what are we doing to attract and retain educators of color at every level of our education system? And 
the good news is there's, there's there's several things sort of underway that I just want to spotlight. So so one, there's just some there's a couple positive trends that I want to highlight that not a lot of folks know about. So one is that um, in 2009, candidates of color made up 18% of the candidate pool in higher ed. Um, and in 2018, for the most recent year we have available, it's 30%. So that's a really substantial increase. And then also another just good thing to know about our enrollment and completion of higher ed after falling for nine years, enrollment and teacher preparation is actually up just in the last year and increased 43% just year over year in the last year. Again, the most recent year we have available. And then the other good thing, Amy, that sort of positive momentum is that our state is really taking seriously this investment, the needed investment in our educator educator pipeline. And so in the last, we're actually uh, going through the last legislative session and really for this next fiscal year, fiscal year 2023, our state is investing 65 million in educator recruitment, training and retention. So that's that's really exciting. There's also been some good stuff happening and minority teachers of Illinois saw an increase from 1.9 million to 4.3 million. So that's a minority teachers of Illinois scholarship for candidates of color. We were able to increase the award size thanks to our legislators investment. And then there's now a set aside for black male candidates and bilingual candidates. So that's that's really exciting. And then one final thing is then if candidates come through a high school pipeline, they can start to, to utilize MTI funding in their freshman year. So that, that was another really smart change that was part of the Black Caucus's omnibus in 2020 and then funded in this last year's legislative session. So that's another good thing, I think. Yeah, it's and, a really yeah. good thing. It's yeah, really we, exciting for recruitment mm-hmm. to you know expand that pipeline all the way from early in the high school career, because I know some of our partner districts are recruiting students as juniors and seniors in high school to get those prerequisites for education courses out of the way and even training for paraprofessional positions, which then increases that pipeline towards teacher. Once they're in the classroom as a paraprofessional, we have a pathway to combine that with the field experiences they need and the coursework they need to become teachers. Now, I'm going to press against this, though. There are costs. There's a lot of energy in recruitment. But Mm -hmm. what I found last year, and Joy can attest to this, I I was just struggling to find mentor teachers for my candidates to find field experiences, to be in the classroom with an experienced teacher. Sometimes the stop would be at HR because they were just so overwhelmed. Right, and right. So yeah. I wonder about <laughs> support in the mentorship and what are some costs associated with this incredible energy to increase the teacher workforce? Yeah, Joyce, Joy, did you want to jump in there? I don't want to yeah, so, so I, I did want to talk about, because Amy is right, we've experienced this with school districts having teacher burnout. And it seems that now we have this perfect storm. And so COVID has not helped. So we're talking about this teacher shortage and we have this challenge. We've had this challenge of attracting people to the field, which we think is a wonderful field. We have teachers have challenges retaining teachers and then we have teachers retiring and more teachers have retired due to COVID more than ever. And we've had this perfect storm and so Coming out of COVID, we're experiencing a lot of burnout. 
And so the result is that there's not a lot of partnership participation. There's not as much as there was. And we're trying to build that momentum again because that made all the difference in the world, you know, from us having immersion programs and all of that. So we do have some partnerships on many fronts, as Amy said, such as our parent to teacher program. We have a partnership with about 30 local Title I school districts, which is, that's, which is huge. Amy and I did a survey of about 250 paras in the area, and we learned that they live in the neighborhood where they work. They love children. They know the parents. They want to be teachers. They love learning. And 80% of those paraprofessionals were people of color. So it responded to many of our needs. It responds to the teacher shortage and it increases diversity at the same time. So we created this grow your own with these 30 school districts. And so now their paraprofessionals are coming to the school. We had to develop tracks in all of our programs to allow paraprofessionals to come to school part-time in the evening. And that took a lot of work on our part. Some of those changes were rule changes within the university to allow such. And so now we do have a track for all of them to come during the evening with job embedded field experience and job embedded student teaching. So those partnerships are working and they're working, they're working really well in theory. As Amy said, many of the teachers are, they, there's a lot of burnout. They don't necessarily want other pre-candidates or candidates in their classroom. Yeah, no, I, I will say you, Governor State is really leading the way here in terms of some of those pipeline efforts. We've been looking at the state level, like what can we, we be doing to take away some of some of the barriers for paraprofessionals and TAs. What's exciting is that there's, you know, there's 23,000 paraprofessionals in Illinois. There's about 130,000 teachers. So really a significant number of paraprofessionals. 66% of them have bachelor's degree or higher, which is probably, I wouldn't be yes, surprised at what yes. you're finding. They, yes, one of them are, we can attest to that. Yes. Yeah. And as you said, there's very high interest. I, I've seen other surveys that show that 84% of them, there's a teach, teach plus survey from about a year ago, showed that in early childhood paraprofessionals, about 84% of them were interested in becoming a professional, you know, to earning their professional educator's license, their PEL. And then also there's some great research in North Carolina that says, you know, they're more effective in elementary grades and reading and math and more likely to remain in the classroom in comparison to teachers without prior teaching experience and more diverse, as you mentioned. But yeah. what, what we found, and I think I bet the reason that you're working in this space is that only 3% of paraprofessionals earned their PEL between 2017 and 2020. So we know there's just, while they're, I think, a, a prime group that could potentially step up in, in are interested in, in earning their PEL, they're not yet. And there's not enough yes, pathways yes. probably for them yet. Um, yes. We also, talk, yeah. Can we talk about that, Jim? Sure. So I do anticipate that that's a challenge. So Amy and I are having these conversations now. They're calling every day. They're coming. They're interested in the program. We can't drop the ball anywhere because these are people who work full time. They are parents. Some of them work second jobs. They have homes to run. They need a very quick turnaround. They don't have the opportunity to contact the university three, four times. Once they get started, where's that mentoring support going to come from? Where is that navigation going to come from? because many of them have been out of school for a long time. And so I think that when I hear that number, 
while we are trying to eliminate as many barriers as we can, we have the minority scholarship, we have the early childhood scholarship, we have the special ed scholarship, we have PAL, many of which they qualify for. We have job embedded field experiences, student teaching. So we're trying to eliminate as many barriers, but I think what they need more than anything is support. And it's difficult when you've been out of school for a long time and trying to balance going to school, working full time and balancing a family. So I think there needs to be some internal support beyond academics for the paraprofessionals. Yeah, I think we would agree. I mean, there's some great work that I know probably both of you are involved in at the, at the Illinois Board of Higher Ed, where they're working with early childhood educators and helping them get move, move forward in their certification. So, and they're great navigators and other supports available. Hopefully we could borrow from, from the learnings there. Again, I feel like Governor State is ahead of the game here. And I look forward to conversations with you both about how to, how to really, you know, as we build out these pathways, as we perhaps take away some of the barriers, what are some things we need to add in? to make sure that people can navigate that step forward. And one thing I'll add is, I mean, I think the things you mentioned, Joy, are really important. I've heard also that sometimes paraprofessionals and TAs really want to make sure that their current job is preserved just in case something doesn't work out so that you can imagine if, you know, that would be something that a district could can make a commitment to somebody in a pathway. Hey, we really are excited about you going forward. We're going to maintain your old position just in case things don't work out or not as fast. But, you know, just well, let's just think of all the things that someone might think about as they think about that step forward and help ease their mind and, you know, and, and encourage them to do it. So I love that you guys are thinking about it. Um, look yeah, forward so to more conversations. Thing, yeah, so the good thing about that, the MOU that we have between Governor State, the school district, and the paraprofessional is that they are able to retain their jobs. They're Great. able to retain their pay. They're able to have release time if needed. So there's been a lot of support from the schools. One school district in particular has had it approved through their board where they are going to fund their education. Two school districts actually are going to fund their education beyond. So whatever's remaining after all the scholarships have been applied, all the grants and scholarships, they are going to pick up the rest. So I think that that is amazing. I just wanna see some support. But you know, there's two parts to this, Jim, because you gave those numbers about how many paraprofessionals we have just like there's a teacher shortage, we also have a paraprofessional shortage. Yeah, absolutely. And so if we're filling the teacher gap with paraprofessional, who's going to fill the paraprofessionals gap? So we're yeah. starting to work with the high schools. And this is just at the initial stage of working with the high schools, attracting high school students to become teachers. So we actually wrote the proposal to change the paraprofessional age from 19 to 18. And as you know, that was recently passed. So I'm the yep. one that submitted that. And a few people got it up the chain for me, which was excellent. And so that was finally passed. And the reason for doing that is so that we could have a smooth transition of taking this 18-year-old high school senior, preparing them to take the paraprofessional exam while they're in high school, pass it before they graduate, and then become paraprofessionals. And in the fall, they're in school to become a teacher. And here, four years later, they can be a teacher while they're working as a paraprofessional. So that is, that is the seamless goal. <laughs> yeah, no, so I, I think that's, 
I think that's really important, Joy. I, I think just um, we've got to, as we're potentially helping some paraprofessionals and TAs move forward to earn their Pell, what are we doing to sort of backfill anybody who's leaving? Absolutely important because we did see in the unfilled positions report that Illinois State Board of Education put out in April that there was an increase in the paraprofessional unfilled positions. So that's, that's obviously not good for kids either. I love the way you guys are thinking because you need to do that as concurrently, right? They're working at the high schools. And we think that's a really smart pathway in and of itself. So there's two numbers that I, I love to share about education in Illinois. So one is 47%. So 47% of public school teachers in Illinois said that they wanted to be teachers when they were high school juniors on the ACT. That means that the education profession is pretty sticky. So if you could just get more high school students interested in it, chances are they will continue on and perhaps pursue this path. The second key number that sort of also supports your pathway work, Joy and Amy, is 13 miles. And that is the median distance from where somebody goes to high school and ends up teaching. And so we know that a lot of teachers come from local high schools and then they come back, they maybe go away for their high, you know, community college in four years, but they come back to the family or what they're familiar with. And so those are the pathways we really need to focus on. Love that you all are doing it within higher ed and really supportive of more state efforts that support this type of work. So I want to kind of poke a little bit. I want your gut feeling on what has caused the teacher shortage. And okay, we're trying to stem the flow. We're increasing recruitment. You heard all of the different pathways, but it also comes back to the mentor piece. I want those experienced mentor teachers to be part of that teacher training experience. And that's what might strengthen student teaching and uh, those early field experiences. So, okay, let's, let's stop the, got to dam up this break that has occurred. And how do we keep those people who said on the ACT, I am interested in teaching. How do we how do we get it to fruition and keep them in teaching? Yeah, no, I love that. And you're talking so much about the care that you take in selecting mentor teachers and cooperating teachers. I think that's so critically important. There's good research to say that that many student teachers do their student teaching in affluent schools, and then they end up having their first experience as a teacher in a school that serves a lot of kids from low-income households. And the research says that when there's a match between your the, the type of school that you're doing your student teaching in and that first year, those first couple of years of teaching, you're much more likely not only to be successful and feel good about yourself, but you're much more likely to stay in the profession. So let's, I'd love to think further about what else we can do to not only put them in the hands of really strong cooperating teachers, which is, it sounds like you guys really work really closely on, but then also in those districts and schools that are most likely to be hiring our teachers are most likely to, to need great teachers. That I think is sort of the sweet spot. If you can match both the, the, the great cooperating teacher and then also in a school that serves a high rate of kids from low-income households, I think we're just much more likely to see those people be successful. I don't know if that's been your experience at Governor State. What, what, what do you think? Oh, it definitely has when it's come together. Right. And, and what I'm seeing post-pandemic is, like Joy said, there's this burnout or there's this, we're stretched so thin and teachers are, the great experienced teachers are stretched so thin that they may not have the opportunity or the, the bandwidth really to mentor yet one more person 
in their classroom. So we're, we're struggling with this. We're working over the summer to help alleviate that for next year. And I don't know if uh, maybe K-12 administrators and teachers might be alerted or might be aware of some resources that Advance Illinois could or may provide or have initiatives for retaining teachers and becoming a mentor teacher or a teacher leader in the classroom. Yeah, I, I mean, a couple of thoughts. So one, we like the idea of, of, of creative staffing and thinking of ways to both draw people into the profession, but then also support schools. So in Louisiana, for example, student teachers get paid. They, they have an expanded student teaching experience. It's more like a residency, more like a full year so that the student teacher gets to experience the beginning of the class, the beginning of the year, which we all know is so critical, this later success. I can think back to my own teaching and how I, the first year was so miserable, or at least the first semester, because I didn't set up those routines and procedures. Had I actually seen a whole school year and under the tutelage of somebody really as a, an effective educator, I probably would have set my classroom up completely differently. So um, perhaps what can we do to Maybe, maybe pay student teachers, maybe expand the amount of time that they're with students or working as student teachers, making sure they're getting a lot of good feedback from great trained educators who are good at adult learning. And also, what are some other things that those student teachers might be able to do outside of, of their cooperate or of their student teaching? Might, you know, could they substitute teach one day a week? Could schools start to build in maybe on Fridays? You know, that's going to be a critical day for us to have substitute teachers. Maybe the student teachers could take on some of that work. Um, that might be helpful, give, give them some experience. And then on the other side, sort of on a mentor side, I don't know if you remember, there was a great conference when we were at that conference out in Seattle. There's a group at Massachusetts that had a really deliberate teacher development pathway. So somebody would go through, it was the Salem School District. Somebody mm -hmm. would go through the Salem State Preparation Program. They'd become a teacher in the Salem School District. And after a number of years of performing at a high level, they would be invited to be a cooperating teacher. They would get free courses from Salem State University so that they could then advance and grow in their own skills and understanding and expertise. Over time, those individuals actually taught some of the courses at Salem State that became like associate professors and professors and where they had sort of like dual roles within the school system and, uh, and the institutional higher ed. I love that thinking creatively about ways to sort of help people advance. I don't know if you recall that or thoughts about that. I recall that. And I also recall, I think it was from Texas where they paid the student teachers and they had a kind of reduction in pay once they became teachers. So they were really paying themselves. And so their salary was prorated for like the first five years so that they could get continuous pay. So there were some great ideas that came out of that. I think Amy gave you a little invitation because our next goal is to work on retention. You're welcome to work on that with us. I have some better research for you, Jim. This is this is not steeped in any real research, but over 90% of kindergartners want to be teachers as well. Ah. And so, <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so, but when you think about that, I know that that's funny, but when you think about that, what experience does a kindergartner have that's different than someone in 12th grade? And so when we go back to looking at quality teachers, if your experience has been with a lot of unquality teachers, unqualified teachers, or teachers that are burnout, that sure does not 
lend itself to say, oh, I want to be just like Miss Smith. And so teaching yeah. is the only profession that they get to see firsthand. I think, because we, we like to go for the low-hanging fruit of how we resolve these issues. We know that pay is an issue, and, and that's not a low-hanging fruit. But I think addressing retention is actually a low-hanging fruit. So we want that to be our next effort and how we can address teacher retention because then teachers will recruit teachers. And I know we know that our Lieutenant Governor who visited us a couple of months ago is extremely interested in us working on teacher retention. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's an important thing for us to look at. I mean, particularly just with an equity lens, you can even see that the attrition rate for early career teachers is higher for Black and Latinx teachers. It's at 22 and 19% respectively compared to 17% for white candidates. So also what are we doing specifically for candidates or teachers of color, making sure that you know maybe they're the only candidate of color in their school. What are we doing to connect them? Really excited about the Illinois State Board of Education's initiative working with Teach Plus to build affinity groups for those folks and to really connect them across schools with other teachers of color to help them maintain their interest in the profession and see themselves in it long-term rather than maybe by themselves and solitary. We all know it can be a somewhat solitary profession if you're not really working proactively to build a network and that's, and it can be hard given the amount of work that teachers take on on a daily, daily basis. You know, one thing that I was thinking about that are, makes me recall a group that we bring together, it's called the Educator Pipeline Group. We've been bringing it together for about three years. It's about 60 organizations across the state. We meet monthly and we talk about proactive things that we can do to build a, the number of teachers in the profession in Illinois and also the number of diverse teachers. So we want to increase both of those numbers. And one of the things that the group has brought up multiple times over the years is the need to have some positive, perhaps marketing campaign, perhaps just a smart social media campaign that connects people who might want to teach with the teaching profession. And it makes me think about a group uh, or some work that was done in North Carolina. So if you were to Google Teach NC, again, that's teach and then the letter N and C, you'll pull up a site that allows people who are thinking about teaching, learn a lot about teaching and some and the benefits of it. Again, all of us who've taught know the power of it and how invigorating it can be and how rewarding it can be. I mean, go to that site and you can quickly, you'll get a little chat box will open. You can actually chat with actual North Carolina teachers and they can talk to you about why they're in the profession, why they think it's a great, you know, a great career choice and why, you know, why it's been rewarding for them. And once you put your information in there and say that you're interested in it, there's then social media kind of outreach that made, that's made to you. And they've got some really great results. Um, just in the last year, they supported 1,400 candidates who applied to teacher preparation. That's in their second year of implementation. And North Carolina has 3,000 completers every year. So that's a significant number. So they, they supported 1,400 candidates. 50% of those people were people of color and 57% of them said that they would not have applied without the supports from the website and the social media that was related. So just looking, looking out you know, across the 50 states, that's something that I think we might consider looking at. It's expensive, Amy, to your earlier point about money. They spend about a million dollars annually on this. However, you know, Joy, you mentioned the Lieutenant Governor's interest. This is something that I know she's expressed some interest in as well. It's just like making sure that everybody knows about how to become a teacher and all the affordability options that they have Right now, it's not as easy as you might like to be to, to find out all the scholarships when they're due, how you're eligible. And we've got some significant supports available, but that's just one thing for us to be thinking about. 
And I want to point out to our listeners that advanceillinois.org, A-D-V-A-N-C-E, Illinois.org, has a number of resources. Uh, the research that we are talking about today is available on this site. And I think it's really interesting and important for people to be knowledgeable about the policies that are in place and the advocacy that is going on, as well as why. So resources and research about early childhood education, higher education, equitable funding and resources. And like you said, a strong and diverse educator pipeline. So I wanted to point that out, that that is a place to start to know about policies and to be aware and knowledgeable and to join in the advocacy work. Is there more you can talk about in ways that our listeners, our K-12 audience, our higher ed audience could be part of this work that you're doing? Sure. I mentioned this. Well, I, let me just start at the high level. So in, if you're interested in any of our policy areas from funding to um, our whole child work or, or this educator quality work, we welcome connections. You feel free to connect to me and I'll help you find the right person on our team. And then Amy, do you specifically in terms of educator quality and, and the educator pipeline, it does make me think about our, our work, um, again, leading the educator pipeline group. That's been a really rewarding group. Again, our, we work to try to put together proactive strategies that will help get our districts sort of the teachers they need in terms of the numbers and the diversity. One of the areas they're working on this year is the TA and para pipeline that I talked a little bit about that you guys are obviously pushing really hard on and seeing a lot of success with. But we're also looking at early pathways. So what can we do to draw even more high school students and middle school students even into the teaching profession? And how can we make sure that they're getting dual credit coursework that's really setting them up to get college credit and really a good momentum behind not only their degree, but also a degree in teaching. So that's early pathway work. And, and also they're working to make sure that we don't have, we don't, we don't, that we're fully aligned from our community college and our four years so that people are, are minimizing their expenses for higher ed. They're not having to take courses, maybe retake courses or some such if they're, they're not transferring. So that's our early pathway work. We're also looking at pre-K to 12 leader diversity. I mentioned those numbers earlier. Our, our superintendents in the state are only 9% people of color, while 53% of our students are of color in K-12. So we got one group focused on that, thinking about, you know, what can we do to help people of color really move into those leadership roles? And then our final group is looking at data transparency. So, you know, what, what data do we need to make sure that the investments that we're putting in for our educator pipeline, which are significant, I mentioned in the excess of 65 million just in this next fiscal year, what are we really making sure, what are we doing to make sure that we understand what's working and, and how can we expand those things that are working? So if you're interested in those areas or maybe you have other ideas if you'd want to move forward, please feel free to reach out to me. That's excellent. I'm excited about all the work that you're doing and, and how we are working in those parallel worlds to make sure teaching stays attractive. It gets yeah. its support that it needs and we stay in the good fight. Absolutely. You know, we think Advanced Illinois, this is, a, you know, there's some states that would sort of like anybody sort of like just try out teaching, maybe just anybody with a bachelor's degree. It's of our belief that it's, we re, it's, a, it's a skilled profession. There's a body of knowledge you need to know and be able to demonstrate before you step foot in a classroom. And that, and it's not easy. And so 
we're all in favor of making sure that our teachers are really well prepared and that giving them the supports they need to and encouragement to choose teaching and then stay with it through their training with that and then beyond in the classroom. Excellent. Excellent. We are definitely going to include your contact information in Advance Illinois in the show notes so that our listeners can get more information. We look forward to continuing our work with you and your organization as we prepare future teachers and keep them in the profession. Thank you, Jim. What a pleasure to talk to you. Yes. Amy and Joe, you guys are doing great work, Governor State. I really appreciate this opportunity and an honor to be here on your show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you, our listeners. Did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice. Until next time, we're Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy.